0: Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it, presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? everyone, and welcome back to Here's a Solution. Chelsea here. So today's episode, which is our Cultivating Safe Spaces Part 2, is going to actually sound a little bit different than our usual episodes. It's not going to be Emily and I talking back and forth to each other. What you're actually going to be listening to is a workshop that Emily hosted about cultivating safe spaces. And the reason for that is, um, so Emily and I sat down to record this episode, we recorded it, and then when I went to go edit it, I lost the recording. So then we re-recorded the episode, and then I lost that recording as well. But I'm always here to create a solution, obviously. And I thought, well, why don't we give everyone a little sneak peek into what one of Emily's workshops actually sounds like? So you're going to be learning more about cultivating safe spaces in this episode. And if you like what you hear, you can always check out emilyshandricksolutions.com to learn more about Emily's workshops. In the last episode, we talked about the four necessary conditions for cultivating safe spaces. Those were understanding the self, love-based practice, patience, and discipline. In this episode, Emily's going to discuss the four protocols and the four perspectives for cultivating safe spaces. So to begin, the four protocols are promote well-being, promote inclusion, promote validation, and promote freedom. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to Cultivating Safe Spaces Part 2. So promoting
1: well-being is not promoting sickness when every what what can you do as a leader as an organization as, as a coworker where everyone feels supported some examples of what this looks like is have you ever been in a meeting and maybe they share the agenda like I did at the beginning of this and maybe the agenda has some breaks built in But then sometimes you're just, you're, you're clicking along, you know, if if you're the person facilitating or leading, and maybe, you know, you, you haven't really taken the time to get to know, or maybe, you know, you, you're a, you've somebody that's worked with these people a lot. Maybe it is your staff, it's your team. And you're like, you know what? I know that I said a break was coming up, but let's just hammer this out. Let's just keep on plugging through. And then maybe, maybe we can leave for lunch a little bit early. That might not seem like a really big deal in the moment. And you might think people would really appreciate having a longer lunch, but the part that is going sort of unseen or unheard is that there might be somebody in there that really needs to stand up. There might be somebody in there who doesn't feel like it's a safe enough space to be like, I really have to pee or I really need some water. I would love a second cup of coffee. Maybe somebody needs a a snack, especially if you have people that have various like health and dietary needs. So when you're sacrificing breaks to move through the agenda, you are sacrificing the well-being of your group, your organization, and your team. On the topic of snacks, you know, I remember there being some memes out there during the pandemic about, you know, I miss conferences where there's bad coffee and stale danishes. So it was funny. However, I thought back to a lot of meetings and, and you know, things I've attended. And a lot of times it is that. It's coffee. Sometimes it's tea or water. And then it's a lot of, you know, high sugar things like danishes and muffins and things like that, which I'm one of the first ones to grab one, but that is also very limiting for people. And I I think while there is more awareness around people with gluten intolerances and those that need like a vegan option or even a vegetarian option, that sometimes there are things put out, but the next time you're creating like a meeting or a space think about the snacks, think about, is this going to add value and energize my team? Or is it going to make them go into a bit of a sugar slump? So again, like even the act of just providing snacks, you know, you have to think about how is this promoting the well-being? You know, does this mean half my team can't have a snack because they can't eat what I'm putting out, but you're like, well, it was easy for me to pick this up. Right. So we've got to think about that which kind of flows right into inclusion. How are you including everyone's perspectives, which can start at the base with their snack preferences, right? You know, what do you need to make space for everybody's perspectives? You know, an idea I have on this is like how notes are being taken or made. So when you're doing a meeting, if if somebody's taking notes, is it only a written form? Do you offer a visual aid? Do you know the the true needs of your group? You know, how do you promote that diversity of perspectives through very basic workplace interactions, right? How do you make people feel feel good about their participation, which kind of goes into freedom, the freedom to participate? You know, people have limitations, whether that's physical, whether that's mental, you know, how do you make people feel good in your organization about their participation? How do you make sure that, Those that might get a little antsy from sitting in a meeting have that chance to get up and move. But how do you value the people that might have more limitations? You know, do you make sure that the room is set up where no matter where you sit, people can see the speaker, people can see the screen, people can hear. As I have here to promote freedom, you know, you sometimes need to, as a manager, you need to get out of your comfort zone instead of just saying, look, I like doing meetings at 9am in this boardroom. And if you can't make it, too bad. But how do you promote the person that wakes up and goes, oh, my God, my kid is sick. I can't make it in. Can you set up that Zoom? Can you promote that freedom within your organization? Because guess what it leads into? It leads into that validation. The fact that your staff member who has to stay home with you, the sick kid, feels like they are a valued member of your team because you're making sure that their voice and that their opinion can still be added, even if they can't show up remember during the pandemic, there was that, you know, the, some memes and things that were going around about, you know, working at home with your spouse. And it was like, oh, I didn't realize I was married to the, can we circle back guy or things like that. We've all seen like the eye roll or whatever it is, you know, that person that just has to ask that one more question at the end of the meeting. And as we're about to get into the perspectives, some people take longer to process information that is being shared. Some people want to wait until all the information is given before they feel like they have the opportunity to, to share where they're at, share their questions. They might need that minute instead of looking at them as the person that is putting a wrench in the plans. And, oh my gosh, I thought I was gonna get out of this meeting 10 minutes ago and we're still talking. Listen, (laughs) hear what the person has to say, because maybe they've been sitting on this thought for a while maybe they just need an extra minute. Maybe they're not the person that wants to talk during the meeting, but they're an at the end of the meeting kind of question person. So again, it's really promoting that validation that if you are a part of the team, every element of that team needs to be included and validated.
0: Next, we're going to talk about the four perspectives, which are traditional, action, relationship, and innovative.
1: You might have, like I mentioned, I think at the beginning of this, you might have had things like you've learned like your colors. So when I started talking about a few of things, you might go, oh, this sounds like a green or a gold or an orange or a blue, that kind of thing. You might have done a Myers-Briggs test or one of those other personality quizzes where it's like, it's sort of shaped and put you into a category. One of the things that I truly really love about the four perspectives is that, and one thing that, you know, we really talked about in our last big training was that you can be all of them all the time. And in various situations, maybe you're more action-based when you're in a workplace setting. Maybe you're more relationship-based when you are, you know, with people you've known for a really long time. Maybe you're innovative when you are attending a conference and you don't know a lot of people. So I'm going to go through this. and I'm going to explain a little bit, but so uh, the traditional perspective, you know, I, I loved it really in our last training when they said, this is the corporate memory of an organization. So this could be your employees that have been with you for, for a while, but not necessarily, you know, this is the person that will tell you an anecdote or a story. They, they might, take a little while longer. I have here, take a few loops around the block to get to what you might consider the point. If if you're not in this necessarily perspective, I know when I first started working with, with this one organization and, and I got to meet one of the elders involved and we were, we were talking about the creation of this children's fund to support youth living in uh, remote northern communities here in, in northwestern Ontario. He was sharing with me the story of where the name and the symbol came from. But it started in a completely different place. And I remember in the beginning, really confused about why the answer to my question I thought would be, oh, it was this person, they wanted this. But it started in this completely different zone. And as I say here, it takes a few loops around the block, the story unfolded. And then at the end, it was like light bulbs went off and I went, oh, I really understand why they started the story over there, because it really does mean it really did impact and and share with me all the touch points and all the interesting parts that led to This is why we use this symbol, and this is why we use this name, and this is why we are allowed to use this name and symbol. So that part was incredible, and so I have a much more action type brain. And part of my discipline is when a traditional perspective, and we're going to get get to it next, or a relationship perspective, is leading a conversation or involved in a conversation that I need to really turn down just the volume a little bit in my action brain and know that giving them the space to tell the story, to share, to open up the learning and the advantage that I will get is far greater than if I said, okay, what's next on the agenda? It can be very difficult and we'll get to it. But the action person, the action brain and the action person in a meeting is still very vital. None of these are are bad or wrong. They will just juxtapose a few. They will be on like opposite sides of a a scale sometimes, but they will balance each other. But the traditional perspective will very much bring about well-being to a group because they are going to really make sure, um, again, we'll just go back quickly to well-being They're going to, what can they do so that everyone feels supported? And so a storyteller, the traditional part, they are going to have that memory and that knowledge of the ways and times an organization was flourishing. They're also going to talk about a time when maybe the organization wasn't, but then what was learned from that because they are that corporate memory. So a traditional perspective is so vital for promoting the well-being of an organization. Now the relationship perspective, if you've ever been on a zoom or maybe even in an in-person meeting, they're the one that maybe just before the meeting starts, they're the one that's going to ask you, how was your weekend? What did you do last night? Hey, didn't your sister get married? And they're going to legit really, really care and want to know because they want to build connections. They want to have that relationship. They want to know that, your dog wouldn't go to the bathroom as quickly as it could this morning. And like, oh my God, what do I do? And they might have like an antidote. You know, they are, they don't really care about the agenda. They, they care about what's going to happen on it, but not until that they know that everybody has had a chance to connect and share. They are so happy to be together with people. These are your inclusion, like champions, because they are going to make sure that everybody's voice is heard. And heard in a way that really makes sense for them, the people, right? They want to connect. So if you're in a larger office, if you're in a larger work environment and, and, you know, you are thinking about, you know, we need a, a staff party or we need a way to engage. Maybe we need a way to celebrate a win or, you know, do something. Look to your relationship people as the people to plan. Or be like, can you put together a committee or get some volunteers? Or they are going to want to, and they are going to make sure that no matter what the activity is, everybody's going to have like their needs met. They're they are going to be that inclusion champion. I'm going to skip over action just for a second, just because again, it's where my brain is, and I'm going to go to the innovator. The innovator, the innovation perspective. They are going to be your think outside the box person. They are going to sometimes require time to process. They are going to be that person who at the end of the meeting might want you to circle back, might want to talk about something again because they have been processing and thinking a lot. And one of the ways to think about this is how, you know, this is going to be your freedom champion within your your group or your organization. And in order for that to happen, A lot of times it's great if, like, to really promote and I think get the most out of the innovators in your group. Can you share an agenda ahead of time? Can you ask some questions ahead of time and be like, look, these are some of the topics I really want to talk about at this meeting? So think about this. I'd really like you to come with some ideas or some questions, you know? And they might come with some ideas and some questions that to you are in super left field but the importance is to actually be like hmm, how could this work i think if if you're you're asking for their opinion you have to be really open to their answer and and to know that if you have at the end of a meeting a lot of like silence and and you might feel like it's crickets but to never put pressure on somebody to like answer you in the moment but again if you say like i'd really like you know your feedback Let's set up a follow-up meeting. Schedule that time with them. I think you will get the most out of those people in your organization. And then we're going to go back to the last one here, the action. So they really like timelines and agendas. I love them. I love knowing that this meeting is going to start at one. It's going to go to two. I'm going to be the one that might be feeling a little itchy. If at 158, I look on the agenda, I'm like, oh, there's still two things to do. But the great part about an action-based person is that they are going to make sure that there is validation in an organization because they're going to want to make sure that everybody is heard and seen and and that those parts are validated because they want to know what the outcome is. They're going to want to know who's involved in that outcome. They don't necessarily want to feel like they're wasting their time, but if they see where things are going, even if they take a bit longer, they're going to see the value in it. So, these are the people that are gonna maybe help you create a timeline. But the great part about an action reign is to sort of say, okay, I need like best case scenario A, B, and C. So, if if we get everything we need in time, we're gonna go down road A. So, what happens if we don't get the feedback we're waiting on by this timeline? So, what's of course B? They're gonna be able to come up with those scenarios, they're gonna give you that. And then, what's great, is that you kind of connect them with an innovation person who might need some more time to think about it, but might be able to help them see the different scenarios. So they're going to work really well together. But again, they're going to want that agenda. They might feel a little bit awkward if they don't know what's happening, but sometimes it's just sharing with them the the goals, not necessarily the, the hard and fast outcome, but these are the goals. This is what I want to see out of today. But sharing with them that, we might not get there today. We might need more time. I think making sure that they just feel a part of the process is great. But again, they are going to help with that validation. They are going to make sure that the people that are involved, even if there's some quiet voices, they're going to want to hear from everybody. They're going to want to know. They're going to understand that you know there's people that were brought into this project or there's organization to do certain things, and they're going to want everybody to, to be a part of it.
0: When I think about um, how I align with the four perspectives, I think in terms of professional life, I think I'm a cross between relationship and innovative. Um, But I could see how in other areas of my life, I might pull in more of the perspectives. And I agree with Emily that I like how the four perspectives are not saying that you are always um, an innovator or you're always a traditionalist. In different roles that you play in your life, you might find that you are a different perspective but I do think I'm a cross between relationship and innovative when it comes to my professional life and with the four perspectives that really made me reflect on um, when I was in teaching uh, and I was in my classroom placements you know it's, it's really common um I remember teachers saying it when I was in school and I remember saying it to classes that I was teaching you know you're explaining an assignment and you say if you have any questions about this assignment you need to ask them right now Don't come to me in 20 minutes asking me a question about the assignment because I will know that you weren't listening And so that's kind of why you're saying it, right? You want the kids to be paying attention to you explaining the assignment the first time but that's really Not taking into account the fact that a kid might have to sit for 10 minutes and think over the assignment before they come to you with a question, you know, um, And I think that all goes back to the idea of promoting well-being and inclusion. Just because a kid needs a little bit of time to process um, an assignment doesn't mean that they weren't paying attention in the first place. So now that I've kind of learned a bit more into cultivating safe spaces, that was really a mindset, mindset shift for me, to be honest. So how can this benefit you, your
1: organization, and your community. So the cultivating safe spaces training is really designed to equip staff. And that could be any level of staff with those necessary tools to foster meaningful relationships, to advance, you know, genuine reconciliation, moving towards Elaine often says cultivating safe spaces is hard on systems, easy on people. It's really questioning, you know, why does that policy have to apply to everyone in the same way when we're all very different? You know, it's great to have a policy or a procedure in place so that you have a maybe a groundwork. Maybe it's a, it's a light template for how certain things should be applied. But then look at the human that it's being applied to. And does that make sense, right? So a big part, you know, a vital part of any company or organization, you know, you have the opportunity. to to pave the way forward, be that example for others to follow. So with a bit more of this understanding, with a bit more of this enlightenment into how different people approach situations, how you can take your own self-discovery and and, and add that to your leadership, you know, as we have here, it really helps you strengthen your position in the business and become a better leader. Um, When we talk about trust building, you know, you're going to learn the power, of of embracing your uniqueness and presenting your authentic self. Your individuality is your superpower. You know, the the trust stems from really being genuine and and sharing your story and expressing your perspectives, you know, the best way you can. With diversity and inclusion, um, you know, this training really does equip leaders to have a deeper understanding, a greater clarity And more compassion when it comes to diversity and inclusion. These skills are really valuable in an organization and a community. You know, through this Safe Spaces training that I've done and and how I I hope to really pass this on to others, you know, you really gain insights into distinguishing between fear-based and love-based decision-making. The course, you know, and the course that I, you know, really helped me understand my own triggers. The, own, the things that I have liked to do as a facilitator, but I realized again, that maybe I was doing them because they made sense and they made me feel safe, but are they actually benefiting the people that I am there working with? You know, creating a safe and accepting community, whether that community is a school, whether it's a corporate office, whether it's, you know, a volunteer board, creating a safe and accepting community really fosters that open communication and growth.
0: Alrighty, well that concludes our Cultivating Safe Spaces Part 2 episode. I know this didn't sound like a normal episode of Here's a Solution but I do hope you enjoyed listening to Emily's webinar and if you liked what you heard, you can always check out emilyshandricksolutions.com to learn about the various workshops that we host both virtually and in person. And in the next episode we'll be rounding out our Cultivating Safe Spaces series with an interview between Emily and Sharon Marshall, a fellow cultivator safe spaces facilitator. So that's a really interesting conversation between the two of them that I know you are all super excited to hear about. So tune in in about two weeks time. That was a fun tongue twister, uh, to hear Malie and Sharon, and we will see you soon, or at least you'll hear us soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution. Presented by Emily Shandruk Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruk and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Chandrak Solutions on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilychandraksolutions dot com. is S H A N D R U K. For more information, visit emilychandraksolutions dot com.